right, everybody, here we go again. It's podcast time, and I did promise you that I would have podcasts every week in the last episode, so here we are. <clears throat> I'd love to tell you what episode this is, but I don't have a freaking clue. Anybody know what it is? No, no idea. No idea? Um, let me look it up. Like, I don't know. I, can I don't have guess. a clue what podcast this is. It's like 16 or 17. 17, I think. Yes. 17. Lucky 17 of the Ketogenic Bodybuilding Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin. And with me today, very special guest. I've been threatening to have him on for like a year. My brother from another mother, my best pal and partner in crime, Melvin Howell, is here to join us today. Say hello, Melvin. Hey, everybody. There he Glad is. Glad to be here. I told you he'd show up one day. That's, one that's, day. That's actually him. He's here. He's actually here. He's not a myth. Uh, he popped up in Facebook and on Instagram in a picture and everybody uh, proving he actually exists. So yeah. now we've got him on the show. And uh, before we get started, uh, we've got also Ryan Gant is here. How's it going, everybody? Ryan's back to join us again. And uh, today's just going to be kind of a roundtable bro chat discussion all things concerning bodybuilding. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the show a few weeks ago upcoming strategies for nationals that were 13 days out from yeah 13 days out and what we plan to do for that and uh wherever the conversation takes us and we actually have a few questions i only put up a questions thread this morning so there aren't a ton of questions but that's okay so maybe we can devote a little bit more time to the handful that we have before we get started i want to ask everybody to please follow me on <laughs> instagram so go to your instagram right now and search at the real Rob Goodwin and please give me a follow. That's how we build this thing and get our message out and uh, further our mission to spread this out and spread the bodybuilding ketogenic gospel to everyone. So anyway, here we are. Um, what's going on, man? Just glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here too. For a while, so finally got. I guess the timing was perfect. Well, me and me and Melvin go back. <laughs> 20, you want to just call it going on 30 years? Going on 30 years. Don't tell our age. <laughs> well, I, I feel I, very young I, now. I, I don't mind telling my age yes. because uh, I'm, I'm proud of being able to do what I do at the young age of 52. And uh, I, I think... Young age of 56. <laughs> I think this sport kind of keeps you ageless to some degree. Um, especially... The fact that I'm in the industry and I work in the industry, I come to work every day in shorts. So it, it keeps me like a kid and I've never really had to have a real job. So I feel very fortunate for that. So, but yeah, we go back almost 30 years. I'll give the, like the 10 cent version of our history um, way back. And I guess it was 1994, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Somewhere around there. 94, uh, we were both kind of working in the same shithole together, trying to figure out our lives and... I felt like a fish out of water. Melvin felt like a fish out of water. He kind of noticed that we were both sort of displaced. And uh, I remember it like it was yesterday still. He approached me, and I believe the first thing he said to me after hello was, you don't look like you belong here. And I said, well, you definitely <laughs> don't either. <laughs> I said, well, you don't either. And uh, we hit it off immediately. And after a little bit of chit-chat and back and forth and small talk, he asked me if I'd be interested in maybe going to the gym and working out. And uh, I said, uh, what the hell? Because I had nothing going on. And uh, you've heard the story. 
went through a breakup, depressed, pissed off, angry, searching for something. And uh, Melvin took me to the gym at this little shithole little town we were living at at that time and proceeded to kick my ass and probably expected me to never come back. But I did and became completely obsessed with it. And all these years later, here we are prepping for competitions, still getting together weekly and talking about the sport, still at it, talking about bodybuilding, loving the sport, loving everything about it. And I've sort of just in the past, gosh, since 2013, 14, reignited my passion for the sport again. So it's it's great to be back into the trenches. And here we are. So uh, I did, uh, you know, Melvin's been sort of what I call my second pair of eyes for years. And it doesn't matter how much you know about something uh, when you're doing it yourself. It's it's sometimes it's easier when you're coaching somebody to be objective and to be honest and to have clear headed thoughts and opinions. But when you're in the the in the throes of competition prep, your mind plays tricks on you. You're your own worst critic. You can be your own worst mm-hmm. enemy sometimes. So having somebody. Other than just guys in the gym who say, oh, man, man, you look great, you know, which doesn't do you any good. It's great to have somebody there with you to tell you, you know, honestly and plainly and sincerely where you're fucking up, where you need to improve, what you need to do. Get your head out of your ass. Truly what they think. And Melvin's been that guy for me for years. So uh, coaches need coaches. too. Coaches need coaches. And definitely. uh, so, uh, you know, what, what's your background in this, Mel? I mean, give, give the people a little bit of insight to where you come from. Oh, wow. Well, wow. where I come from. <laughs> well, basically this five-star athlete, high school, uh, just thought my path was paved to pros and something, track star, football star, baseball star, you name it. Um, a little wreck. Um, my fourth, third year in college changed the whole course of life. Um, got into bodybuilding. I was already in shape. Got into bodybuilding basically just to put some size back on. Went to the hospital, 198 pounds. Came out of the hospital, 112 pounds. Shoot. Um, mouth wired shut. A liquid diet. Yeah, on a liquid diet for over a year and a half. And basically got into lifting a little bit different just to put some size back on and feel like a human again. I think I was training for about six months, did the first show. One, second show I did, Ghost Classic one, did the North Carolina State one. Uh, talked to then uh, vice president of NPC, Peter Potter. You know, I asked him, you know, am I that good or these guys suck? <laughs> it's basically <laughs> what I was asking because, you know, you're just beating everybody. Uh, he said, no, you're on the right path. You're good. Just whatever you're doing, keep doing. So. You know, I proceeded to go to the Nationals. You know, everybody's like, I don't know if I would do the Nationals. You know, you always got your naysayers, but you got to be strong and stand on what you want and what you want, what you believe in. And I'm one of these who won't take no for an answer. And uh, I wanted to go to the Nationals. I wanted to see what I was up against. You know, am I really good or am I, do I, you know, am I getting lucky? Uh, Went to the Nationals, you know, and you hear the whole horror stories. Oh, there's people who've been doing the Nationals for 15 years and never made top. 15 top 20 well that's them you know i don't care what they're doing i know me i went first time uh cracked top five um came home learned a lot just being there but one thing about the nationals you know it's an eye opener i went backstage and i found myself 
looking at the other competitors and forgot for a moment that shit you're in this too you know they're pumping up and i'm looking at them like i'm looking in a magazine <laughs> so you know it was Damn, time to I look this, like it, this it was time to focus and uh, so i fell in love with bodybuilding simply because i'd always done team sports and this was an individual thing you either do your homework or you don't you either follow your diet or you don't you either hit the gym and do what you're supposed to or you get your ass handed to you and uh, i love that couldn't point fingers at anybody so that's what that's when I fell in love with it and uh, I have a passion for it. It's a lifestyle. It's not a hobby. It's a part of my day. I love helping other people. I met Rob. One thing I've always said about Rob um, is if he says he, if he sets his mind to doing it, he's going to give it 110% or he's not going to do it at all. And that was the one thing I loved about dealing with Rob from day one. If he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Or if he's not, he's going to be straight up. Nah, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time for it or that's not me. And I like that because I keep it real and I want to be around people who keep it real. And at the end of the day, if you're going to be on the national stage, you better know who you are and you better be serious. Because I've said it many times with people I train when they're goofing off or bullshitting. Uh, I bet the guy's going to be standing next to you ain't doing that. Mm-mm. I bet the guy standing next to you ain't taking time off. I bet the guy standing next to you on stage ain't cheating on his diet. And uh, it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when you're being real with people. But at the end of the day, that's what you need if you're going to be at the best. And if you're bullshitting and you want to just play around and say, I did it just just because you want to do it. Hey, great. I wish you the best. But if you want to be the best, you got to train like it. So um, that's just a little bit about me and mm-hmm. what I do it for. And I love helping other people. Um, you know, I want to see the best in everybody. So. Right. And the thing about bodybuilding, I think that you touched on is it's like you said, it is an individual sport, but unlike other team sports, like sure, uh, the best of the best in baseball, football, basketball, endurance sports, whatever, it could even be tennis. You know, you have your periods of training, you have your periods of, you know, maintaining a decent diet, whatever. The thing about bodybuilding, though, is that, that I tell my clients is from the moment you wake up, everything's calculated. There really isn't time off yep. because it, it's a synergy and it, there's the times that you're training and that has to be just right. There's times that you're dieting, which is pretty much all moments that you're awake mm-hmm. has to be just right. Your recovery, you, you have to calculate rest. Yep. Um, everything needs to be thought mm-hmm. out and planned. And, you know, Kai Green always says, you know, thoughts become things and pretty much every moment of your day your thoughts need to be on exactly what you're doing at that moment and every time. And there's no let up. And it's like, you know, I've been telling people, you know, I've been doing this prep for for these two shows this year for over eight months and it's never let off. It's never let off. There's not really, uh, with the exception of the day after the show that I did a few weeks back, every day has been calculated and, and, and you've got to be a student of this. Yes. At every single moment, yeah. and it, you cannot ever take your foot off the gas. In, in off season, people always talk about off season, and that's the, that's the part that gets me. In any sport you're in, I don't care what you. To me personally, I think if you look, talk to any athlete who is the best, consider themselves the best in the world. Um, let's stick with bodybuilding. If you go back to bodybuilding, most of these guys will tell you there is no off season. Mm-hmm. It, there's time to get better and improve on the areas you need to get better at. 
And so uh, this bulk up season and all this, whatever you want to call it, to me personally, I think this I call bullshit. Um, if you're going to be at your best, be at your best. You know, you can change your eating habits and stuff without putting on a bunch of body fat and craziness and maintain a level of fitness and make adjustments. Just like I make adjustments two weeks out, a week out, the week of whatever, I'm making adjustments throughout the year on my mm-hmm. eating habits. When I see there's a change, if my body hits a growth spurt, I'm monitoring that. If right. I put on five or 10 pounds, I wanna make sure that I put on five or 10 good pounds and not a bunch of body fat. Right. So there is no off season uh, if you're serious about being better and quit worrying about um, who else is gonna be there. Try to be your best, your personal best. Be better than you were. One thing I always did was, after this show, I didn't care who was gonna be at the next show. I wanted to be better at the next show than I was at the previous show. Right. I was my hardest competition. And like Rob was speaking on earlier, you need another set of eyes on you because I'm my worst critic. I'm mm-hmm. always gonna be harder on myself than anybody else can be. So you can critique me very hard and it's not gonna hurt my feelings because I'm <clears> harder <throat> on myself. So in order to get better, you need that. And right. if you're not willing to take criticism, you're never going to be at your best. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe in off season either. I, it, when I look at my calendar, and you know, I've, obviously, I've, I've told my wife this and clients and others, my off season literally lasts a week. When I finish this show in Pittsburgh, which is on a Thursday, basically that Friday to the next Friday, I'm not going to do shit. I'm going to decompress, recover, recoup you know, whatever. And then it's right back on. I'm going to start thinking about next season. season. So I'm going to, you know, it's about maintaining that muscularity that you've built. You don't want to lose that. You want to tweak that. You want to, you know, improve on that. And even at our age, yes, you're not going to put on a ton, but you can maintain what you have. You can work on your structure. You can work on your symmetry. You can work on your total presentation of what you are giving to the judges even if that's eight months away, exactly. you, know, you can always be tweaking that. So I, I don't believe in an off season either. And I think that was a good point to bring up. And you don't. And for those of you out there, which is probably 98 percent listening to this, that will never stand on stage. I think the same thing applies. Same why thing why would to, you not want to be your best? You got to give 100 percent all the time, always. all the all time. time. Be your best at whatever you do. And, uh, you know, break up your year into phases and preps and whatever, just like somebody who's going to compete. There are bodybuilders and there are competitive bodybuilders. I think if you're in the gym lifting weights and you're paying attention to your diet and you're trying to be the best genetic version of yourself that you can possibly be, you're a bodybuilder. But then there are the people that actually go through a prep to stand on stage and compete with others. Those would be competitive bodybuilders, but we're all in the same world, living the same life, trying to be the best that we could possibly be and be the best version of ourselves, you know, every week of the year. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I do. And and stop always comparing yourself to others because, you know, someone may have better genetics than you. That doesn't mean that they're their nutrition is better than yours. They're training better than you are, you know, but some people just are gifted with genetics, but you got to take your package and make it oh, the yeah. best it can be. Because um, I think I was inspired when it may sound crazy. This was after I think doing the USA or whatever. I think one of the things that's opened my eyes more than anything is my shoulders grow very easy. So I, you know, I'd work them every couple of weeks or whatever to maintain balance. But I was impressed. I met a female bodybuilder uh, and uh, 
you know who she is. She used to be married to Lee Priest <laughs> and uh, Kathy LaFrance. And I was looking at her delts, her deltoid development, and how it made her entire body look so much more symmetrical. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's impressive. And it wasn't a male that impressed me. It was a female. Right. And I thought, wow, you know, I have a small stature. And she has a small stature. Just looking at her delts and everything else and the way everything flowed, I, that made me start focusing a lot more on my on my delts and not neglect them just because they grow easy. But still, I can train them regularly sure. and still maintain you that train balance. your strong points just as much as your yeah. weak points. Exactly. Um, I always say, you know, people say, you know, work on your weaknesses. I always say train your strengths and yeah. your weaknesses equally. You know, you brought it up. I think you've brought it up every time we get together to pose, every time we get together for you to sort of critique where I'm at in my prep, you always say, pop those calves, do that with those calves, do that what you did it today. Mm -hmm. You did it not 30 minutes ago. You said, push your toe into that floor more, lift that heel, show that calf, because the odds of anybody on that stage having calves like yours Mm -hmm. are next to none. Exactly. So show that strength. I also have wide shoulders. Yep. So one of the things I wanted to do this prep is I wanted to sort of bring out my upper lat width to match the width mm-hmm. of my shoulders to give me an overall greater taper. So, you know, I put just as much emphasis on my deltoid growth mm-hmm. as I do everything else, even though my shoulders are wide as hell and they're one of the, my easiest mm-hmm. parts to grow. So you maximize those strengths because they're going to make the judges go, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And then you keep working on those weaknesses as well and bring those up to bring balance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, the, the term we keep referring to is structure. You know, you can have two guys on stage that work equally hard. Mm-hmm. But if one's got a little better genetic structure, I don't know, nobody wants to hear this. He's probably going to edge the other guy out. And that's how most bodybuilders become <clears throat> bodybuilders because they stumble onto the fact that they were blessed with good genetics. Mm-hmm. And if they match those genetics with really, really hard work mm-hmm. and really, really, you know, strict diet and dedication, and then they can, you know, be and successful then, on and the then competition talk stage. Across that part, when we touch on the one thing you said, um, and I've seen it happen many times, um, I've judged as well. And I've seen guys on stage who actually had that genetic structure. It was close between them and someone else. But the guy with the less genetics beat him out simply because he knew how to show his physique. He knew how to hide his weaknesses. He knew how to stand on stage. And I tell people all the time, and I thought you talked to Rob about this, you know, having a great physique and not knowing how to show it is just like having a million dollars and can't spend it. Right. It does mm-hmm. you're still broke. And so if a guy if you know how to show your physique, put as much time in your nutrition as you do your training, as you do your presentation. So when you get on stage, you look like a million bucks, you've trained like it, and you can show it. And if you can't show it and you don't know how to hide your weaknesses and little things that tweak, you know, uh, when I work with Rob you got big delts. Let's work on showing them. Okay? Don't place your hands back too too far forward because you can't spread your lasses wide. Little things. And so all of that starts to add up. To, that's the difference in fifth place and first place. So, you know, when you start talking about master's division, conditioning is key. There's not going to be – I would beg to differ with anybody. There's not going to be a whole lot of guys – in this age range, in the Masters 50 plus, it's going to be better conditioned. And if they haven't learned anything, they're going to try to come in huge and they're going to look like a big 
ball of wax on stage mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to being conditioned, detail, balance, all of that. And so that's where I keep pushing Rob saying, hey, you've got a lot of qualities that a lot of 50 plus guys don't have. They just don't have it. And I think coming to the competitive stage a little later afforded him an opportunity to learn a little more, be a little more, have a little more knowledge coming on stage. And when he hit stage, he was ready to be that competitor as opposed to somebody doing it just for fun, not taking it serious, not training serious, not doing all the little things they need to do so that they continue to improve year after year after year. I've seen guys on stage that look the same now as they did 15 years ago. Right. They mm-hmm. might as well. In my book, I would never tell them to quit because I want them, hey, stay healthy, work out. But if you're not, if you're just doing it for fun, say so. But you're not, apparently you're not, your goal is not to win right. uh, a big show. So, uh, and I'm going to say this, <laughs> and I'm going to say it because uh, Rob and I talk about it a lot. Um, and this ain't just about bodybuilding, but this is. It irritates, we get so irritated. Uh, I've been all over the country competing. And when you, if you're a bodybuilder and people will always compare, um, let me give you an example. Someone does a small show with 30 people in it and they get first place because there's two in their class. And then someone goes to the Mr. USA, they get fifth place and they come home and people are thinking in their head that this guy who placed Second is better. Uh, second is better than this guy who plays fifth at the USA because they don't understand bodybuilding. They don't understand competition. They don't understand the different levels because there's different levels in everything. Right. That's like me being an All-American in high school and go to college and ride the bench. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so exactly there's, right. there, there's five-star athletes sitting on the bench. There's five-star. There's All-American. There's Heisman Trophy winners who never even make it in the NFL mm-hmm. because – at that D3, next level. D3, D2, D1. There you go. And so yeah. it's all about, like I said, it's about the game, learning the game, educating yourself. Um, I watch Rob every time as he's grown over the years, he'll talk about something new. He studies it. He does his homework. Uh, he, he, he'll check, recheck, double check. He'll talk to some of the pros. He'll talk to some of the other people. And he does his homework. So when you do your homework – you can be more confident when you're advising people. And there's people out here, we always say, test your trainer. I did an article in it in my magazine. You know, if your trainer's having you do stuff they can't do, they may be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you ask your trainer a question about nutrition and all they can tell you is you need to eat better and they can't break it down and actually give you some valuable information on how to do those things, you might want to look into getting you another trainer um, or keep them as a trainer and find you a nutritionist because without the nutrition side of it, you're pissing in the wind. Yeah. And you're not mm-hmm. going to get better. You're just not. Well, I've, I've said, I've gone on record dozens and dozens of times that the number one reason I compete, you know, it, it started off kind of like a bucket list thing. I've been in the industry so long. I'm like, okay, now it's time for me to actually apply this in competition. And I did that and I became addicted to it even greater than I was back in the 90s. But number one, it's always been walking through that experience has made me a better coach. Mm-hmm. And because my number one objective is to be the best coach that I can be to others, 
going through that process year after year after year, there's no greater on-the-job experience to be able to coach others than walking through that experience yourself. Gain knowledge along the way. And what you said, you know, it's that's what you said about bodybuilding in general is very, very important. I mean, you get these weird offhand freaking, you know, divisions or, or what do you call it? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> you know, there's the NPC, which is the minor league to the pros, basically. And then you have the IFBB, which is the pros. I mean, then you have these all these little offshoot variations where somebody can half-ass their training, half-ass their nutrition, stand on stage against people who are just as half-assed as they are, and play second and say, hey, I got second in a bodybuilding competition. Whereas I could go to nationals in 13 days, stand up there against the best 50-year-olds in the entire freaking country. Say 20 in your class. And have 20 in my class and place fourth. And Mr. You know, Big Fish Small Pond is going to say, well, I got second in this bodybuilding show. He got fourth or fifth. Yeah. When it's not even the same universe. It's like comparing somebody that's... <laughs> you know, plays is starting tackle for Alabama getting drafted in the fourth round to the guy that plays that won the championship at the Lions Club flag football league. <laughs> to him, he's like, oh, it's, it's, it's both football. No, it's, the same it's, thing. It's, it's not the same thing. <laughs> same thing. So we actually had a question in the last podcast that I did, uh, the little show recap where somebody said, uh, wanted to know, can somebody drug free compete in the MPC. Absolutely. I said, hell yeah. yeah. I don't, we both did. I know countless people that compete without PEDs in the NPC. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's about the person that comes in the most conditioned. Yeah, definitely. You, know, you wow. can have somebody that's yes, filled, full of, filled full of drugs for 10 years and come up and look like a bloated, sloppy mess mm -hmm. because they don't have the discipline to diet and get conditioned definitely. where that natural guy can come in or that natural girl can come in that spent 12 weeks dieting to the point of absolute freaking suffering and their conditioning is on point, they're going to blow them off the fucking stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got asked a million times. I bet you when I was at, when I was just beating everybody, blowing everybody off the stage. Um, so what do you, what do you use? Mm -hmm. uh, I train hard and I eat right. Right. I mean, but what do you use? And I didn't mean to sound stupid at the time, but at the time I was stupid. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know anything about the the drug use and stuff and it wasn't a big deal to me because at the end of the day i was going to be the best i can be regardless right and so i didn't use that like a lot of people use it and everything they do people will find an excuse why they lost mm -hmm. um oh they use this or they use that or whatever you know um i've been i've talked to trained with been around some of the best bodybuilders ever walked and i don't care what anybody says i've watched them train I've watched them eat. I've watched their daily diet, their routines, and just like Rob was speaking on earlier, they do it all from A to Z, mm -hmm. from the time their feet hit the floor to the time they lay down at night. And so you out here, drug-free or not drug-free, if you're not doing that, you're not going to win. Right. And so I don't use that as an excuse. And I said, no, you know what? No, I'm clean. Um, I was naive. I had no idea about it and how to use it um, because I always just worked hard. My right. work ethic was, was my mm -hmm. key. And so they're like, man, it's hard to believe and uh, that you can look like that clean. Well, believe it. Because, and, 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 yeah. and on the other side of it, if somebody does use some gear, mm -hmm. so what? 
You yeah. still have to train your still ass. You still got to do the work. Yeah. You still got to do the work. There's, short, a, there's so many myths out there and stories and about, oh, they must take this much and that much and this much. Hey, we've both been around pros and people would truly be stunned as to how little some mm-hmm. of these guys yes. use. And because we said it on the outset, they discovered early on they're genetic freaks. And then they capitalized on those genetics by, you know, training hard, dieting hard, applying an insane work ethic. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing comes together for them. I yeah. mean, well, it's just like when there were years ago when they was talking about drug testing the IFBB um, at the Olympia. And uh, Lee Haney was the reigning champion. He'd done one, like, four or five Olympias in a row. And then when they were, they called themselves testing, guess what? Lee Haney still won. And so at the end of the day, it wasn't about the drugs. It was about the person. It right. was about their work ethic. It was about their genetics. It was about everything going together. So basically, on drugs, he was the best. Off drugs, he still won. So it didn't even matter. So everybody was like, well, he won, but the show was weaker. Well, guess what? Everybody else in the show was weaker, but yeah. he still was the, the, the best. The, the on playing stage. field was still level. It was still level. He was still the best. So, it's not about the drugs. It's about the, it's the mindset, man. It's the mindset. If you're you're either going to do it or you're not, and I always tell people, stop making excuses. You know, I, I don't like excuses. You know, if you get your ass handed to you, do better. Uh, I've watched people on stage, and they get pissed off because they don't place where they think they should. And instead of talking to the judges and asking them what they can improve on, you know, what's their opinion, what's they need to work on, why they play second, what can they do to place first or higher next time, they get an attitude and they go back to all their buddies who's telling them, oh, you got shit, you got cheated, you got cheated, instead of focusing on what they really need to work on. And guess what? They step on stage next time and they get their ass handed to them again because they're listening to the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Take time, people. If you're going to be a competitor, now the ones who just train and keep training hard, eat right, stay focused, be the best version of you you can. But if you're going to be a competitive bodybuilder, fitness figure, bikini, any of those things, and you're going to step on stage, trust me, Take the time to talk to people who's been there, talk to the judges, if nothing else, mm-hmm. but to familiarize them with you and you with them. They'll remember you next time. They'll watch you. And if they give you some advice to prove on something, improve on it, because you never know who's going to be sitting on that judging panel at your next show. That very judge could be the head judge at the next show you go to. Like, oh, you and made those improvements. they're going to remember that what they told better. you to do, you did it. And if you don't, guess what? You're not gonna get. You're not yep. gonna do any good. And you, you've got to be a student of anything that you do. You know, I, I had a consultation this morning. I launched a new program. It's called the Platinum Program, which is very top tier. And I work very, very closely with the people on this program to an extent that I've never have before. And uh, I had a an hour video conference with one of my new Platinum clients this morning. And I said, you know, apart from your, you know your dedication to your family, supporting your family. The next thing that needs to be a constant in your life is your training, your diet, your recovery, what you don't put into your body. I said, you're, you're, you know, you're investing a lot of money into a very big program and you have lofty goals. You can't just let me tell you how to do everything. You need to wake up and and live this life as well. You need to research. You need to read 
you know, documentation. You need to watch videos. You need to go to a show. You need to talk to this person. You need to make it a huge part of your life. You need to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to walk the walk in everything that you do. You know, I know people that want to make just the most dramatic changes in their physique that they could possibly imagine, but invest very little brain time into Mm -hmm. that. They'll go spend 30 minutes in the gym, you know, maybe cherry pick through a half-assed diet and wonder why nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to become a student of this shit. And I'll add to it. um, One thing that's another pet peeve of mine is I've been doing personal training for so many years now, lost track. But when I say personal training, the key word to my whole thing is the personal side of it. Sure. I take it very personal. I turn more clients down than most people get a chance to talk to. And it's because... When I talk to them, basically I interview them and I run through a fitness assessment and fitness evaluation and stuff. And basically all I'm really doing is I'm getting a feel of the client. Mm -hmm. I want to find out, are they serious or not? And if you Mm -hmm. make it through my fitness assessment, I can usually tell you're serious. I can tell by your body language, um, little things you're doing, how quickly you give up when you don't have to, little stuff like that. But one thing I always tell people, and I'll continue to tell people, stop listening to these gym rats who call themselves trainers uh, who are using someone else's methods to train you. And every time you turn around, they're critiquing what your trainer told you to do. Um, and I'm going to tell you why, because a lot of them haven't spent the time, the knowledge, the studying, the research and the experience, life experience, trial and error to have that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And they will sit here and critique. Why are you doing this exercise? You shouldn't be doing that exercise. I wouldn't have you doing that exercise. But they don't know why you're doing it because they're not your trainer, first of all. And number two, there are so, there are millions and millions of ways to train a body part. Right. There are mm-hmm. so many different ways of training, training methods, combinations, old push-pull. I mean, all types of different ways of training if times have changed. So if someone's constantly walking up telling you, you shouldn't be doing that, you ought to try this and that, walk as fast as you can away from them because they're an idiot. There's so many ways of training. I tell people all the time, well, why am I doing this? My trainer got me doing this. Do you think I should be doing this? I say, well, I don't know you that well. And if your trainer's telling you to do it, maybe you should do it because trust they've taken coach. the time. Mm-hmm. If you don't trust your coach, you don't need to be with them. No. You know, and so um, your coach should be asking you. You should be asking your coach these questions. Well, what is this exercise for? Where should I feel it? What are we targeting? Those are the questions. You know, don't don't be afraid to ask your trainer questions. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I I've you know for every hundred clients that I have, two hundred will quit, mm-hmm. and I expect that. And uh, I literally had a guy enroll three days ago for online training, the gold package, and this morning, not even set up on everything, he quit. He said, "This is just too much." I'm like, "We haven't started." Seriously? Uh, yet he's like yeah but apps and you know you want me to track food and i'm trying to sync this and then you, i just want to start training well just give me a workout people are I'm fucking like, lazy it really man. doesn't work like that i need to gather in intel we need to go through a process i need to get understand you maybe within a few days we can finally get your split up then we can start doing this we'll make changes as we go and he's like just cancel it this is too much work i'm like Okay, it's not for everybody, and I just canceled it and moved on. Um, but yeah, you got you have to trust your coach. You have to trust the process. And the other thing that happens all the time that it just makes me laugh—you have to laugh because if you take it too seriously, you lose your fucking mind. Exactly. I will get a client that hires me that I set up on a solid ass program, and I tell them if you have any questions, 
you know, I always say if you have 100 questions, I'll give you 150 Send answers. Send them to me. Somebody will hire me and I'll get on the Facebook group and they're asking the group something about what they should be doing. I'm like, why are you asking a thousand strangers when you have direct access to a coach with nearly 30 years experience that you've trusted and is paying good money to just ask me. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. It's like everything else. People need validation, validation. from yeah, everybody else. Yep. And, and a lot of it too is I'm not even like, I've got clients who come to me and I know 110%. They only come to me so they can go and tell their friends at the country club. I got a trainer. Yeah, box yep. checkers, and they don't really care about. They don't care how they you know, look, and, and and little stuff like that. But see, it's hard on me because I believe in. Like I said, it's personal training to me. So if I'm going to train you, I'm taking it personal. And if I'm thinking about, if I'm more serious about your fitness than you are, we got a problem. Yep, and that's just the way I look at it. Right yep. from the start. <laughs> I had to stand up. Mel- Mel- my Mel- hamstrings get Melvin tight. caught a cramp in his hamstring. Melvin pulled a hamstring doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. That's the first. They're so tight. When I mean, I'm sitting in a chair, it cuts my circulation. My feet going to sleep. But yeah, it's. Um, All right. Well, is that the old thing that everybody yeah, tells me about? I, I don't know what you're talking about with the old thing. <laughs> All right. So people want to know. <laughs> Thanks for letting the young guy sit in on the old guy <laughs> conversation today. Hey, I, I told you, man, I'm not I'm not 52 at heart. Um, <laughs> you're my age at heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm age heart. Younger, maybe younger. I'm younger maybe than you. Younger. Uh, okay. So people want to know, um, we have nationals in 13 days. Mm-hmm. So we did the show at the Victory Classic. I was, you know, I, I did well. I won both my classes. We would both agree that I wasn't full enough. We would both agree I didn't have enough detail below the waist, which is fine, because I told everybody in the last podcast that the goal of show one was to really figure out what we needed to do in terms of the nutrition element, Mm -hmm. the carb depletion, and then the carb load. Mm -hmm. And we discovered, and we're both in agreement, I think 100%, that the depletion needs to be harder, which we're doing. And the load needs to be probably double, more than double. So, uh, what what are your what is some of your reasoning behind why I should deplete harder over the next say ten days? And then, I mean, I know the answer, but mm-hmm. why do I need to instead of taking in four hundred grams of carbs, probably taking over a thousand? Then maybe that Thursday or that Tuesday and Wednesday before the Thursday show. Well, one thing is because your body, the way your body reacts to carbs, your body fills out slower. It's a lot harder to fill you out. And one is because you own a strict diet all year long. And so when your body responds, it responds a different way than a lot of other people. Some people take in that many carbs um, immediately or that quick. It's going to be an overflow. They're going to wash out. Um, The way your body takes carbs and what it does and the way we monitor it every hour, hour and a half, two hours. We're going to load, we'll look, we'll load more, we'll put more, we'll back off, whatever we need to do. And so what we're doing with this is we seen through working in over the years and in this previous show that your body fills out. Uh, it needs a lot more to fill out, yeah. a lot more a to lot fill more. out. And so um, the first show was doing just that. We wanted to go in, look great, but we knew going in that we may not be as full but we were going to risk it and start loading a little early, a little bit at a time and see how the body responded. And it gave us information we needed. And so I had spoken to Rob prior to that show and said, now after this show, we're going to go a hard, at least two weeks of just carb depletion 
Yeah. If there's an ounce of fat anywhere, we're going to find it and we're yeah. going to pull it off. So that when we do the hard load, you're going to fill out, you're going to be harder, more grainy. You're not going to even have to hit your shots as hard because right. your muscles are going to be so full. So that's what we're doing, going up early so we can relax, focus on everything from Monday all week, from Tuesday all week to the show, and uh, dial them in. A lot more relaxed at this show. Yep. Uh, it's an experience, more fun. He's a little more laid back. This one, less pressure. Um, and um, even though it's a bigger show, it's a lot less pressure on him because we know what we're up against. Um, and uh, that's the whole key to it. Know the playing field. Know what you're up against and plan right. And so the plan's perfect right now. Yeah, as long as we don't do nothing stupid, you don't get sick or something drastic happens. I'm very confident uh, yep. he'll come home with a win. I think you'll bring your best package that you've ever had. Hope so. And and for those people out there that, you know, this is ketogenic bodybuilding. And basically that is a hybrid. I'm not your butter chugging, fat pouring, lard, you know, sucking, you know, keto guy. Um, you all know that I believe that carbohydrates are a very useful tool at the right times, at the right amounts for a specific purpose. And because... I deplete and reload so much throughout the year. My body is used to that process. Mm -hmm. It's used to dumping and depleting, and it's used to soaking it all up like a dry mm -hmm. sponge and filling out. And it, uh, I mentioned it in the last podcast, it, it is legend-like how much food I ate mm -hmm. <laughs> after that show uh, a few weeks back. And there was no spillover mm -hmm. for probably more than 48 more hours than, and, and then there more. wasn't much because yeah. i dialed it back yeah. i jumped back into a carb depletion again and i've kept that fullness and graininess and yeah. and and hardness ever since and, and also as you mentioned uh this time i guess you're always cool with us mentioning that too we're going to go more away from the dry carbs like we did with the first show and we're going to add some some potatoes in and some different type carbs um as opposed to just all dry carbs yep so we're going to fill out a lot Sodium a carbs, like yeah, you know, more sodium. French fries, a little more sodium, yeah. salty, salty baked potatoes, that sort of stuff, and yeah, and mm -hmm. I, and I think the strategy is going to work well because I was eating. We went to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> that's, that's my go-to after a show, <laughs> and I had pancakes. like like pancakes and you know, fucking biscuits and tons of food and salty bacon and eggs, and then you know what just, you should have done. I stayed on that train all day. And pancakes and chicken and dumplings. Well, we had them that night. <laughs> my <laughs> my wife, that? my wife Nancy, in her infinite wisdom, as always, uh, literally, this is funny. We were waiting at the Cracker Barrel in Charlotte for to sit down to breakfast. She was on her phone doing a like a family style like dinner for ten of chicken and dumplings, mashed potatoes, uh, macaroni and cheese for that night. So we literally left Cracker Barrel after loading up for breakfast, drove from Charlotte, you know, back home. And on the way home, we stopped at another Cracker Barrel <laughs> and picked up a 10-person family dinner of chicken and dumplings, mashed potatoes, and, and macaroni and cheese. Took that home, had like three plates of that. Ate until I could barely move and breathe and woke up the next morning like I was carved out of freaking wood. 
And, you know, it's, it's that way every time I do this. So I have no fear anymore. Like Melvin said, probably should have done two burgers and two orders of fries uh, the night before the show. And, and whatever, whatever I feel like I need to do for this one, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to worry about the consequences because I really, truly don't think I can eat enough to spill over in in one day. Mm-hmm. Well, and I knew he was nervous at this first show. When, I mean, who isn't nervous? When I told him, I said uh, about the hamburgers and fries. He, he's, are you are you sure? <laughs> so, but, guess, you know, I said, well, you know, it. whatever you're comfortable with, because I knew he was good enough to win at this show anyway. And and my main focus was, I knew I'd be bigger asshole going into this show than I was that one anyway. But. Um, I know he's going to he's going to do the right thing. I mean, I've been around him long enough to know he's going to make the right decision uh, at the end of the day. So I don't really I don't really stress about it. We talk about it. If he's got a question, he texts me and say, hey, what do you think about this? And we'll talk about it and we'll we'll come to a conclusion. And, and, and he goes for it. And so I don't really you know, I've got other clients, though. I've got people shooting me camera shots on their phone <laughs> telling me, is this on their diet? I mean, you know. It's crazy, mm-hmm. you know, and you know they're cheating, and then they look at you like you don't know it. Um, mm-hmm. I've been doing this a long time. I can tell if you're not drinking your water, if your protein's too low, if I tell you eat a half apple and you eat a whole apple. Trust me, I can tell. Yeah. I've been doing this a very long time. And then they ask you why they're not yeah. seeing what they want to see. Why don't I look like them if you're training both of us? Well, when, when you're the competitor, when the coach is the competitor, it's not a, it's not a lack of knowledge or the seeking of knowledge. It's validation. Mm-hmm. because your brain plays tricks on you mm-hmm. at the end. So, you know, I'm sitting there and I know within a very close percentage of exactly what I need to do. But in order for me to put it into motion and have that confidence, I need to go to someone who has just as much experience as me and just get the validation and agreement like, yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. I concur. Mm-hmm. Like two medical professionals talking about a procedure. You've got two highly skilled doctors that absolutely know how to fix this patient. But because what they're doing is so critical and so important, that it's important to get that validation mm-hmm. and uh, from the other professional and say, this is where I think I need to go. Do you concur? Exactly. He will agree or disagree, and you'll come to a conclusion. You'll formulate a plan, and the two minds will come together and formulate the plan right. and put it into motion. And that's what we do, and that's the way bodybuilding is. That's mm-hmm. why Mr. Olympia has somebody that he works with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's the, mm-hmm. the greatest athletes in the world have coaches. Mm-hmm. And then he goes home when his wife will smack food out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get we, we need uh, to get Nancy on oh, here. Well, that yeah. is so funny. But yeah. you know, you got to and let, let's touch on that for a second. Um, and it's something I meant to mention too. Um, regardless, if you're doing this for stage or not for stage, um, you got to make up your mind real early and develop. You either got a support system or you don't. Yep. Because without a support system, it's harder to do this. And it's hard to stick with it. But if you realize early on that you don't have that support system, you got to have a strong enough mindset to understand that you're going to do this anyway. And that's with or without someone there. But don't count on them if they can't be there the whole time because this is going to throw you off showtime. If they're going to be with you, ride or die, you got them, they're in your corner, great, because you need that. If they're not, you need to find that out early before you start prepping for a show. Because the last thing you need is three weeks out, they start tripping because it will throw your conditioning off. Yep. You start stressing. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. stress a, is a killer. A, yeah, a great year turns into a nothing. So, you know, support system is great. If you're a family person and you're trying to get ready for a show, 
and your husband competes and you don't or your wife competes and you don't, you know, get an understanding um, because that's a big key when you're going home prepping meals and you've got kids and you've got a husband or you've got a wife and kids and you're eating this way and they're eating another way. I mean, there's a mindset that goes with it and there's a whole lot of other things go with it. So um, make sure you're on the same page with that. For over mm-hmm. over 12 weeks, longer than that, me and my wife and daughter have been eating separate meals. And there's never been a moment of anger or attitude or pissed off or now I'll be honest with you. She, my wife, she's ready for this to be over. (laughs) She'll tell you that, but that doesn't mean for a second that she's going to withdraw any support. And, you know, she's like you said, ride or die. She's my biggest supporter. She's my biggest cheerleader. And, you know, funny story. We currently have this giant freaking, uh, Yeti cooler sitting in our kitchen with every possible carbohydrate you could possibly imagine locked in it. She has the key. She, and she's got the only key, and I don't know where it is. She's like, <laughs> we're not taking any chances. She says, she, like, my grandson's little freaking fruit bars, you know, the you know anything that's a carb, anything that's got sugar, anything that's not on my approved list, which is pretty much anything beyond egg whites and freaking lean meat at this point. Uh, is locked in this giant cooler and she's got the key. And and if I, you know, look like I'm trying to break into that thing, she'll hit me with a pipe and say, you know, (laughs) we're not done yet. And uh, so, yeah, I've got a phenomenal support network. So if you don't have that, like Melvin said, at least sit down at the the kitchen table, hold hands and come to an understanding and express to that person how important this is and that you need their help. And, and, you know, you got to have that going into this or you're screwed. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You don't need that stress. So Mm-mm. anything anybody want to add to that before we answer a few questions? I'm good. Well, we got a few questions here. Ryan, um, I'll read you them got off. Them, you got them pulled up? Yeah, we got it. Because I don't, I don't have them pulled up. Do you want me to read their names? I don't care if you read their names. Okay. If they were stupid enough to throw their names out there with a question, <laughs> then they can be called out on the freaking podcast. All right. Let's see here. Let's see. All right. So the first one on the feed was from Chris Crawley, and his question was, as for me, I'm already 46, so I don't have many years left to be on stage. That said, would it be wise to take a year off to add size or just realize that may not happen? So just kick ass as much as I can and compete until the good Lord calls me home? Question mark. Well, well, first, well, we, we can both give our what we think. First of all, forty six, and you're talking to a fifty two year old. You know, last <laughs> time I checked, isn't there a sixty plus class? Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. So you can keep kicking ass and taking names in the sport for two as more decades. As long as you want to, brother. As long as you want to. With that said, if you feel like you need to make improvements in your overall muscularity, because this is bodybuilding, let's let's be honest. And even though you may be great at the conditioning aspect and the dieting aspect, if you feel like you need to fill out a little bit, add a little muscle, 46 is not too old to, to add on to your physique. Now, you're not going to put on 20 pounds. Sounds like you might just need a second set of eyes. Yeah, yeah which let somebody he, look. He has because I'm his nutrition guy. Oh, well, so there you go. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting him cut for <laughs> Sorry, this Chris. next competition, but uh, 
you know, you, you might want to go with the gold package there, buddy. We'll slap some muscle on you. <laughs> and, and, and to touch on that as well, you know, people get that out of your head saying you can't put muscle on past this stage and that age. Like Rob said, you're not going to put on as much as a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old, but you can put on muscle. Yeah. And you can train. You can make improvements, you know, in areas you need to make them and still stay extremely conditioned. So, you know, it's not about taking the time off uh, unless you just burn out and you need a break. Um with as far as worrying about competition. Now, that being said, you can take time off from stage, but you need to use that time wisely by prepping and getting better than, uh, at where you feel you need improvements. But don't allow, don't allow that time off. One thing people make mistakes in, it's kind of like saying, I'm gonna take a semester off from college and then they don't go back. What you wanna focus on is, if you're gonna take some time off stage, use that time wisely, train hard, uh, get wiser, train harder, mm-hmm. eat better, you know, overall physique wise. And that way you can improve because you can put more muscle on, but don't get caught up in the size game because, you know, you're not going to put on the same amount of muscle that you were when you 20 years ago, but you can still put on muscle and you can still make a lot of gains and still improve on your physique. So yeah. don't, don't, don't as, let the yeah. age body. As a 46 year old amateur, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to turn pro. But at the same time, what did we say earlier in the podcast? When I'm done with a show prep, I take a week off and then I'm back on. It's not you're not taking a year off. You're just using that time in an extended period to have an extended mass gain phase to where you're trying to fill out your physique Mm -hmm. a little bit. So if you don't actually step on stage within that calendar year, it's still not like it's not like you're taking time off. You're just Mm -hmm. extending the prep, you know, the mass gain phase of that prep. Uh, into that calendar year to prepare for the following season, mm-hmm. that calendar year to be a better version of yourself once you carve it up and condition it. So, you know, just evaluate where you think your weaknesses are. And if your weakness is lack of muscularity, then take an extended, you know, off season, uh, for lack of a better term, and work on building that mass and then take it into the following season and condition it and kick ass. But you're not running out of time. I mean, mm-hmm. you got years left where you can compete and enjoy this sport definitely and and, uh something i shared with rob i didn't share with anybody else but i'll go ahead and say it here just as a motivational piece i'll be turning 57 in february but i'll be hitting the mr usa next year at 57 and i promise you i'm gonna do damage i don't worry about the age thing i worry about what i look like what my training is like nutrition and where i'm at condition wise and i know with my knowledge and my physique my genetics as long as I do my work, I'm not worried about who's going to be there. Yeah. They need to worry about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's a good and, mindset to have. It's the only mindset to have. Neither one of us have the beaten, broken down 50-year-old physiques that some people do that have abused themselves over the years. Exactly. I mean, you know, the one benefit that I have in my favor that I would admit to, and I usually just make fun of myself, but I don't feel like from the neck down I look 52. So I'm going to keep capitalizing on that as long as I possibly can. So. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, stop screwing around. If you need to put on mass, put on mass. <laughs> Take and an just extended keep, off-season, keep man. fighting, man. Fight. You know, you can you can do a show when you're 63. So don't worry yeah. about that. Yeah, if, you don't, if you don't, you can always go back to eating the biscuits. So, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy it now. Yeah, you know, enjoy can, it, man. Yeah, enjoy the enjoy lifestyle. It. I'm 52 and living this lifestyle like I'm 25 and loving every minute of it. So oh, yeah. don't, yeah. don't take I feel like in the ass. show, it was in two, 2019, I felt like there was a like some real old fucker that was on stage he was like 75 yeah, yeah. 80 something yeah he was in his 70s yeah yeah he was i mean he and looked, re- and he looked really good it, up there working it having the time of his life 
Yeah. So that'll be my old ass. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. plenty of time, Chris. Yep. All right. So, all right. Barbara asks, is there such a thing as a lean bulk? I don't think so, but there is something that I call growing into your diet. Meaning that when you're in a caloric deficit phase and there is a point where you're training hard in a slight deficit, things will start to, it's hard to explain the physiology of it, but yeah, you can make some gains during that deficit period in a show prep as you're preparing for a show, but it is a very short term thing. Uh, but as a whole, you're going to want to be in a caloric surplus in order to, to really put on put muscle. The, the, the body needs calories and protein and energy in order to build. So as a whole, I would say there's no such thing. Take the time, periodize your season into mesocycles and make sure that you've allocated enough time to say, okay, this is my mass gain phase. Uh, I may not be shredded for this, you know, so, you know, take the winter months when you're wearing sweaters and blue jeans and jackets and, you know, go hard. We, in here, we call it, you know, hoodie and beard hoodie time. Season. Hoodie season. Uh, you know, we, we, we grow gnarly beards and wear our big ass freaking hoodies and we go as hard as we possibly can during that, those cold winter months. Well, I grow and, a goatee. I can't grow a full beard yet. Well, you know, it's still the phrase, <laughs> the, the phrase applies. Yeah. Your, your beard isn't bad. It's doing, it's, it's doing better. It's coming you in. got that, like that Keanu Reeves kind of yeah. cool like beard thing. Even though it's patchy, it still works. It's not patchy anymore. I mean, see, it's look, better. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like the, filled the, in. The, uh, the Keanu Reeves thing. Like he's got those two. Anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> he hadn't learned how to. He hadn't learned the purpose of that wife yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, oh yeah, take take it into a mass gain season. Put on as much as you can, and then plan your season accordingly. It's like my platinum plan is twenty four week twenty four weeks for a reason. I break down those twenty four weeks. You know, once I, if I'm interviewing a potential client for the platinum plan, I have to we have to be in agreement that you have put in work to build as much mass as possible. Because going into the 24 weeks, that's when we start to bring it back down the other direction. From 24 weeks to 16 weeks, we call it like just kind of cleaning up the sloppiness. Mm -hmm. You know, start to taper those calories, bring you into that, slowly bring you toward that deficit and meticulously bring you down to the point where you're 12 weeks out. And then we go into a really hard cut and dial it all in. So, yeah, you want to be in a surplus and you want to plan that season accordingly. And speaking on his platinum, I don't, I haven't really talked a whole lot about it with him. But, you know, as far as what he's talking about, as far as training and nutrition side of it, guys, one thing you want to always keep in mind, um, a lot of your progress or your base progress, once you look at yourself, when you're talking about where you start at and what you want to hopefully accomplish at whatever point. Um, always keep in mind, trust the process. Um, if, you, if you're just starting and you haven't even been working out ever or for years or you never worked out or whatever, um, understand you got to build a base. You got to get your muscles used to the, the training, different training methods, the nutrition, the, the, I mean, everything being on schedule. So it's, it's a process. So don't, don't get discouraged and don't think that, um, because you don't, you're not making plateaus. the gains that you think somebody else is making because you really don't know how long the other person has been in the game. They may already have a good base built. And so you're just working with that base they've already built as opposed to someone who's just starting, who's never been in the gym and training, been with a trainer. So, you know, what Rob's saying, you got to trust your process. 
if you're giving up too soon, you're giving up on yourself. Um, yep. Because trust me, the process works, but you got to be patient with it, and you got to be dedicated and committed to it. Otherwise, you're wasting your time as well as his. So, you know, um, I can tell you one thing: if he put it out there, he believes in it, um, and he's put his work and his time in it. So, guys, if you're serious about it, then hey, join up. You know, and uh, I, I got to show you this. Yeah. If not, you know, this just came across. Julio just signed up for the platinum. Mm-hmm. Right as we're talking, just popped up. That's cool. Awesome. Great show, great so, decision. Uh, that means we have five left. So, <laughs> five left. Get them before they're gone. <laughs> because I cannot do more than 10 of these at a time because it's going to be constant attention. So uh, thanks, Julio. I'll be getting in touch with you later today to start getting you set up on that journey. So that's exciting news for that uh, for that guy. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, what's the next question? Okay. All right. Melvin, this is a question for you. Um, do you follow a ketogenic diet and do your food choices change much during a gain phase and a cut? Well, the answer to the keto, ketogenic, um, I did something similar to this years ago when I did a USA. And of course, you know, we didn't have that fancy word then. I don't even know if I can spell it. Um, but, um, it was the same thing, but back in the day, we just basically call it a high fat diet. Uh, it was almost 100% similar to uh what it, what it is now with very little variance i still think you know we did a lot of uh the high fats good fats and stuff through the week and carb refeeds on the weekend um i actually did that for the the usa and the junior usa as well as the ifbb north american so um and my diet does change as my body changes so does my diet when i see a need if i feel my energy levels change if I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I see um, uh, I need to improve, I need to increase my calories or I need to adjust my carbs or I need to, you know, bring in a little bit more. Uh, it may be something as simple as uh, just using the carbs right before your hour before the workout, just before the energy yep. uh, for yep. that purpose. So, you know, it changes. Uh, this thing is when you're really serious about it, you need to change as your body changes. Sometimes your body will change and you won't even realize it. And then all of a sudden you realize, wow. I need to do something different or I'm waking up hungry. Um, when you start doing certain little things, it's sending you signs and telling you it's time your body's making changes. So um, your trainer will or nutritionist is probably going to tell you what you need to do. But trust the process. Don't take it upon yourself just to go out here and make these changes and then hope that they don't notice it because they're they got you on a plan. And just like I say, if Rob's got you on a plan, he knows what your body should be doing over mm-hmm. a certain period of time and if it's not happening he's, he's a lot like me he's going to be sitting here recalculating thinking hmm this is strange because if my calculations are right this should be happening and that should be happening but if it's not happening trust me you're probably not following it yep. and he's mm-hmm. going to know that sooner or later and like myself if i'm concerned about your nutrition more than you are we got a problem and i'm going to notice that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and we're going to have another conversation so yeah my nutrition does change a lot it changes as my body changes um just past couple of weeks um changed my eating habits a little bit i noticed i was getting hungry a lot i'm hypoglycemic so if i don't eat my keep my calories up sometimes i get a little lightheaded so i noticed like wow so i joined the scale and i realized i put on another five six pounds that's why I was getting hungry so much more. I was training just as hard, strength's going up, but I hadn't increased my calories for a while. So what I mm-hmm. did, instead of increasing just the calorie side, I increased my protein levels a little bit more, 
and I increase my carbs first thing in the morning to give me some energy throughout the day. So, you know, yeah, it changes pretty, you know, periodically as I see a need. Okay. I don't just make drastic changes just because uh, I let my body tell me what I need to do and I pay attention. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, you know, if anybody that's listening to this, in, in case you don't already know, Carbs are not the devil. They're not the enemy. They're a useful tool if used at the right amounts, the right times, and the right frequency to provide energy to working muscles and to then allow protein to go to work to do what it's meant to do. So it's very protein sparing. And, you know, in regard to insulin, you hear so many in the high fat keto world talking about the evils of insulin. Insulin is a necessary hormone and it's important. Definitely. And, and, you know, as long as you're not insulin, you know, resistant you know it's anabolic it's useful in the right amounts and with everything nutrition based it's not how much or how little it's finding the precise amount required so we meticulously walk you through that so if you're trying to build that elite muscular shredded peeled physique there is a place for carbohydrates and thousands of people are figuring that out and I feel very fortunate that we've been a big part of uh, helping people discover that. So, And that's very important. I mean, I like that. That's a great question, uh, whoever you are, um, because, you know, there are a lot of ways. And like we keep saying, and I've said for years, carbs are not your enemy. Um, just like we talk about medication, <laughs> aspirin is one of the most mild things you can take. But if you take 100 of them, you won't have another headache, probably. Um, so it's about like the carbs. Anything in moderation, taking it when it needs to be taken, understanding your body, knowing when it needs and when it can use it and when it can't. And that's yep. things that you discover, just like Rob getting ready for the last show. Uh, he started discovering a lot of other things about his own physique and how it responds to carbs and how they work pre-workout for him as opposed to not and little things. And so we was have those discussions. And so he thought, well, maybe I can add this and add that, add that. You know, and I was listening to him and it was I was smiling because, you know, I love to see. Uh, that he's constantly thinking and and, and watching how his body's speaking to him and telling him because he's up at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning and stuff. And and you're going to see what you look like then. You're going to know what you felt like. You're going to know how you rested and all these other things. And then when you come in, as you start putting these calories in throughout the day, your body's going to start showing you things that you may not even notice. And so as you monitor that and paying attention to it right down to your appetite, uh, you start to notice where everything's working and what's not. So trust the process, stay focused, and, and yeah, just trust him. I mean, you know, um, there ain't a lot of people I trust with my physique, and I'll be honest with you, I think I've <laughs> there's only a couple that I've actually even, uh, I guess, say, uh, helped me when it comes to some of the shows I've done. Um, and they had such a long history in the sport ifbb pro olympias you know second place third place stuff like that so and I, they were very direct and that's one thing you would get i can honestly say from myself and from rob um we're not going to blow smoke up your butt you either got it or you don't you're either going to do it or you're not we're not going to tell you you look good when you don't if you look like shit, you know like i got clients i'll say your, your your workout today was crap you should have stayed home and i'm just real like that because my thing is you know, I've had a client come in and I won't call a name, but, you know, they come in. I can tell within first five minutes that they're dehydrated because they've been drinking all weekend. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I turn around. I say, hey, go home. I send them home. And it's not because I'm I'm pissed off at them. It's because they're not taking it serious. They're putting my training, my reputation at risk because they're in the gym dehydrated. If something happens to them, I'm responsible. 
And for them to come, go out and drink that much and to come in the gym and I'm looking at them and I can tell they're dehydrated, they're pale, they've been going hard for five minutes and they're breaking sweat when most of the time I can have them do 25 jump ropes and sweat's pouring off their head. Um, I noticed that kind of stuff. Yep. So when you're paying attention to your clients and we know what you're doing, we're watching you closer than what you think we are. Trust me, if we're telling you something, trust it's because we think that's what's, we don't just think it, we know what's best for you and we've calculated it. Yep. And you are a walk-in billboard of your trainer. Mm-hmm. So if you look like crap and your trainer is known to be an expert trainer and everybody else looks great, don't blame your trainer. And you're a walking billboard of your character yeah. and dedication exactly. to yourself. Exactly. And your honestly and your honesty to yourself. Exactly. So, so the moral of the story is, you know, I like to have an occasional drink of bourbon or whiskey, but there's no place in bodybuilding for drunks. Yeah. And I haven't had a drink of alcohol in weeks and weeks and weeks because there's no place in it in a contest prep when you're when you're trying to work at this level. So exactly. Yeah, that's a very frustrating um, yeah. aspect of it, too. Like, I, 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 I got, the I one got, question that I get a lot is how much can I drink when somebody asks? Like, Let's start with zero I'm, and see if you can tolerate yeah. that for six weeks. <laughs> and it's about discipline. If yeah. you can discipline yourself, like to I want do you to that, go two weeks without exactly. drinking and because see if you can actually. You got to be able to be disciplined with your nutrition. So be disciplined with your drinking, and it all come together, and you notice a big change in both sides. If you're pounding beers every weekend, or you're you're going to the beach for a week, and you're you know you have to have cases of beer and bottles of liquor to get through it, you're not ready for this shit. You're not. You need to check yourself. You need a fucking twelve step program, not a trainer. Yeah. Yeah. What's next, Ryan? All right. Juan asks, during your final depletion two weeks before competition, do your workouts change in intensity or length at all considering such low consumed energy sources? Or do you keep workout length and the KGB principles of high intensity going to failure the same as normal? We keep it intense as our energy reserves will allow in a severely depleted state. So for like for this two weeks, it's definitely not gonna be quite as intense, but we're still not letting up. They're not easy little pump workouts by any stretch. I mean, we've had a couple brutal workouts just this week, but what I do is I focus on safety. I mean, obviously if, you know, in a depleted state where I'm trying not to injure myself weeks up before a competition, there's not gonna be heavy deadlifting. I don't do barbell squats. I stick to more machines, cables, Smith machines, uh, dumbbell movements done safely and properly, but we're still, you know, we're still throwing in cluster sets. We're still throwing in rest pause work. We're doing negatives. We're still working maybe the final set to failure on certain movements. So, you know, you, you need to convince your body at later stages in a deficit that it needs to hang on to muscle. There are only two ways you can do that. Elevate your protein levels and keep training hard. If you stop training hard or lower your protein intake, it sends a signal to your body that it can let go of lean mass. And that's the last thing you want to do before you want to step on stage and reveal to judges that you have a muscular physique. So it'd be counterintuitive to do these wimpy little pump workouts and back off your nutrition. Even though that my, you know, I'm depleting carbs right now and I've even lowered fat to a degree, my protein intake is, intake is still through the roof and we're still training hard enough to send a signal to the body from a physiological level that we need to hang on to as much lean mass as possible. And understand too, add to that, 
two weeks out, you're not going to put on any muscle. No. So so get that out of your head. So but you can maintain it. You can maintain it. it. So don't try to go in here and do crazy workouts like you were doing midwinter when you weren't getting ready for a show and losing that same weight because you're going to have an injury. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of time you're going to have an injury or, or strain something yep. or throw something out. Be smart. Train smart. You know what I mean? And uh, maintain. Watch your nutrition. If your nutrition is where it needs to be anyway and you're adjusting it and you need to keep your protein high, you're not losing muscle – that's like Rob said. That's the main thing. Um, intensity levels, you'll know how hard you can go. If your nutrition is where it needs to be, you'll be able to tell how hard you can go. Yep. And we need to back it up a little bit. All right. Well, we got let's do like two more. Two more? Okay. All right. I know which one I want to end with. This is a, a simple one. Um, how to deal with distal bicep tendonitis while lifting weights? Uh, back mm-hmm. off of bicep work and let your biceps Pretty simple. rest. There you go. There's your answer. massage it out use a lacrosse ball yeah do other things like that stretch it out yeah and you you get so much indirect stimulation on the biceps from your pulling movements when you work your back anyway i've had clients that have had that issue and by eliminating direct stimulus on the biceps by taking bicep movements out and just doing pulling movements with the back they're not they have they don't lose anything in the biceps and it, it's typically just an overuse injury yeah mm-hmm. and if it's an overuse injury you back fuck off for a few weeks and there's let some it ice heal. on it <laughs> ice it you know maybe compress it you know maybe try some sleeves after a couple weeks off as you ease back into it and there you go yep all right so i think this is a pretty good question for the last question of the day um don asked what for you guys into the sport? What keeps you involved and thoughts about the future of bodybuilding? I just love the process. I love the experiment of seeing, especially at my age, how hard can I push myself? How far can I take this? Um, the deeper that I go, the no, like I said before, I know it's going to make me a better coach. And I need to, my personality, I have to have something to focus on. I have to have an end game. I have to have a goal or I feel completely lost. I will find myself sitting there feeling that I, you know, apart from being a better husband and a better father and a better grandfather, I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of lost out there in a no man's world where with bodybuilding, it gives me a goal to focus on and I have to have that goal or I feel like I'm limiting myself. And I just mm-hmm. think that's part of my nature. As far as the sport itself, Same. I think bodybuilding is making a triumphant comeback right now. Um, I think things like CrossFit and all this functional stuff is swirling the drain. I think people have seen past that. I see a massive resurgence in bodybuilding. You're seeing registrations go up. You're seeing more shows on the scene. And with the addition of exciting classes like classic physique and some of these women's divisions and, you know, the stacked lineups in some of the competitions, you're probably going to have the most stacked Arnold Classic we've seen in 10 years coming up this fall. The Olympia is getting exciting. You know, I just think it's people are are have missed that hardcore bodybuilding world that Arnold gave us back in the 70s and I see it making a massive resurgence. Well, I'll agree with him 100%. Me personally too, pretty much the same thing Rob said, but also the fact that uh, I've always been a person who likes to look the part, feel the part, feel good about myself and what I'm doing. Um, 
I'll try to be that example, letting people know, you know, age is just a number. Uh, you can look great at any age. You just got to take care of yourself, take the initiative. Training and stuff gives me, it's a good outlet. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing my body go through the changes. Um, and at the same time, too, you know, I love helping others. Um, as far as bodybuilding itself goes, um, I think it's still got a whole, it's got a long ways to go. It keeps improving. There's a lot of things that are changing. There's, um, it's going to always be very challenging. I think that it's gotten to the point now to where uh, it's so competitive and there's so many competitors out there that I think it's slowly but surely starting to weed out a lot of the favoritism now because you really got to pay attention to everybody because there's so many good athletes out there. Um, and, uh, you know, personally, like Rob said, you know, it's nice to have a goal to work towards. Um, if it's just something as simple as, okay, I want my calves to be better, you know, work on them. Uh, you know, I want to make this better or that better, or I want to work on this or that. You always have something that you're working towards. It will keep you motivated and driven. Uh, me personally, I don't need a lot of motivation. I'm self-motivated, but there's people out there who do need it. And, you know, one of the best ways to do it, set yourself some small goals, but make sure they're attainable. Don't, don't always compare yourself to other people. You know, find something that you want to improve on for yourself and work on that. Let that be your goal and quit comparing yourself to other people because that's not who you are. Um, and so, um, you know, if other people, if that's what motivates you, that could also be the thing that breaks you. So focus on yourself. All right. Good stuff. That's got us at an hour and 16 minutes. That's about 16 more than I like to go, but I think we had. That was a good one. I think this was a good one. I think we needed to do this, and I'm, and I'm glad Melvin was here today. Thanks for coming in, man. Let's do this again sometime. Great to, great to be here. I hope you'll come back again, and we can just shoot the shit more and more. And thank you again, Ryan, for coming. It's always great when you're here. Um, Melvin is actually going with me to Nationals. Um, we're heading up Monday after next. We'll be in Pittsburgh for the entire week. If you want to follow along and see what we're doing, even the candid behind-the-scenes stupid shit that we're doing in the room and leading up to it, then that's all going to be on my Instagram. So follow me at the Real Rob Goodwin. Links are also on my website at robgoodwin.com, the official home of ketogenic bodybuilding. And everything that we do, coaching is all there as well. Uh, Ryan, what's your Instagram? How can they find you? Coach Gant Seven. Coach Gant Seven. Anything you want to plug, Melvin? Uh, no, just uh, guys, keep going. You're just hard. you being you. Just Melvin's me just being, being Melvin. Me, man. Just keep going hard and uh, keep trust. You know, hey, trust your trainer. Um, test your trainer. And if you got a trainer you don't trust, maybe you need to find you another one. But I can basically I can vouch for the ones. Uh, sitting by me, and uh, that's all that matters to me. The ones, the other ones out there, they got to find their own way. But uh, the <laughs> ones I know, I can vouch for them. And if I think they're not, I'm not going to blow smoke. I'm going to tell you, well, I mean, you know, they're okay, but uh, it depends on how far you're trying to take your fitness. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have you back. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your support. Uh, as always, train hard, diet harder, have a great weekend, and follow us on our little journey to nationals, and we'll try to get another one up next week. Peace. Have a good weekend. See you guys.